1: Honest, straightforward, and right to the point, The Rob Black Show.
0: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Strategy is a big part of investing, where you are, when you are, how long you stay, whether it be growth stocks value, whether you think you're a real estate developer, a mogul, you want to be the next Donald Trump and have your name on buildings, Remember when he was just that? (laughs) Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Things do change. But with that phrase, things do change, let's talk about our parents and becoming our parents. The truth is we typically inherit a lot of our relationship with money from our parents. Or we do the exact opposite. But they're, they're the catalyst. 24% of millennials demonstrate basic financial literacy. That's a really, really low number, which translates ultimately in my head to the other side. Three quarters of a generation is being ill-prepared for retirement. We're hearing more and more that financial literacy is being taught in schools. I think it should be. Long-held beliefs about money no longer should hold true. My parents and what they did with money, even whether, or even if it was good, it still needs to change because this is a good generation later. Let me give you a couple examples, and I'm sure you have some of your own. Debt is always bad. You've probably heard that. You've heard tar- parents tell their kids that being in debt is bad and something to be avoided. Maybe it was your grandfather who went through the 1920s and the 1930s who went through a real, real recession. Ours are so financially engineered now that they don't feel that bad. But debt's not always bad. Most home buyers will need to take on a mortgage when they decide to make the big purchase, which is an example of good debt. Student loan debt should lead to a higher paying job, an investment in your future, which Could be good, although I can argue that a lot of student loan debt now is being misappropriately spent on a degree of, you know, fun. There is something to be said for that. I'm okay if you misspend some of your money on having fun in your 20s, even if that's your college years. Get it out of your system. It's not ideal, but I'd rather your degree get you a high-paying job in science and math. So I think it's best to uh, educate yourself and I, I, I wish we would all help each other out by buying you know subscriptions or gifts on like the New York Times business section is awesome. Barron's is probably a, the greatest Christmas gift you can give a, uh, a professional, not a professional investor, to give an investor who has enough money in the market that they care. And then if you just read Barron's cover to cover, I think you'll have a pretty good investor education. I think New York Times Business, I think the Wall Street Journal, um, That's those are really, really good starts. So debt is not always bad. Debt also yeah, can lead to good things like better credit scores. You need to learn a little bit about interest rates, credit scores. You need to learn a little bit about loan terms. You need to kind of learn to talk the talk. Another thing my parents said and I disagree with, uh, they wanted to support us. And I think it's okay to cut your kids off financially. Um, I knew that in the back of my head, I wasn't going to be a trust fund baby. I knew I, not, I didn't have a trust. So that's a pretty good obvious one, right? But I knew that I was going to have to make my own. Um, I've seen parents give some of their adult children who are in their thirties and forties an allowance still. And that's just, I don't quite understand. You did something wrong. So we're talking about the sins of our parents and their false education or their education was true for their times, but not necessarily true for now. You should never keep finances separate in marriage. Um, I'm okay keeping finances separate or joining them together. A lot of our parents happily combined finances into joint accounts and shared everything. That's not the norm anymore. According to Fidelity, one in five couples identify money as their greatest relationship challenge. I'm okay with hers being hers and his being his. But there has to come something with that kind of compromise. It's It's huge. If you're going to have a relationship that you keep it separate, you've got to communicate. Communication is the best thing you can do to strengthen all parts of your relationship. If your love life's not great, you've got to learn to communicate about it without hurting each other's feelings. If your financial life is stressing one person out, you've got to learn to communicate it without stressing out each other. Communication's key in a relationship. That's what I'm going to teach my children. Communicating about finance is necessary to help strengthen relationships. Um, and I would off off. I don't know if it's fair to say, but don't involve alcohol. I know one glass of wine can loosen you up, but two glasses of wine can get you fighting over money. Money is the number one issue in what people say led to their divorce. The important thing is to discuss not only your financial aspirations, but some of the realities and sometimes you could talk about your parents. Like for instance, if I was falling in love with you right now, I would tell you that my dad died with $60,000 in credit card debt. He liked to buy tools from like a Home Depot or Lowe's, or it was called Heckinger's back on the East coast. He didn't use tools. That's the weirdest part about it. So I inherited a brand new tool set that had a lot of good tools that I would later donate, because I don't use a lot of tools. So the same goals that were good for your parents may not be good for you. This is a discussion, again, that you should have with yourself about your parents. Times have changed. Uh, My parents got married, I think, before they were both 20. My dad might have been 20 and my mom 18. While that plan worked for previous generations, it may not be the smartest approach anymore, because younger people are now starting to think, I should go through a job. And lead to a second job and decide, am I going to be doing this for a career? Or that would be a good time to go back to school, not necessarily a good time to fall in love and marry. So we're delaying our marriages as we're kind of learning about ourselves. Housing prices have skyrocketed, so living in a house that your parents lived in may not be realistic anymore. So their financial goals are going to be different than yours, even though you may see them over the holidays. And they'll ask you, how are you doing? Do you own a home? Are you getting married? Are you settling down? We're very, very different on careers. My dad had one job his whole life. Before I was 20, I probably had 20 jobs as a waiter. Um, That's pretty crazy. So financial literacy is something that is really key to me. And being able to talk about money openly, I think, is very important um, my mother, my dad, what an a-hole my dad was. Listen to this. When it was done, time doing the taxes, he would just do the taxes and he'd bring her the back sheet to sign. And she never got to see the first sheets. She never got to see how much they were making. how much—like, That's the weirdest part about it. To this day, I don't know if my dad had like a side business or anything like that. Because my mom never, they didn't communicate. And he was the head of the house. He was the financial head of the house. So when she died, or when he died 30 plus years later, after they'd been married, they were, I guess 38 years later, when he died, she was financially illiterate. So do you see why the whole what worked for our parents don't necessarily work for us as far as rules go? Anyhow, you can find me online at Rob Black's show. I've got some great downloadables, which can teach you about investing, about money, about retirement. You can find that at Rob Black's show. That's Rob Black show. Go get a downloadable for free start talking to your spouse about these issues
1: have a question reach out at robblackshow.com robblackshow.com
0: a personal financial plan with custom investment advice that's why rob black has partnered with ep wealth advisors with over 12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm ep services were built with you in mind how can they help you find out at robblackshow.com robblackshow.com crypto Mario coins should you invest in cryptocurrency you collect 100 coins in Mario you get to buy a bazooka you collect 200 coins you get to buy a faster jump crypto you get the basic idea translate that into 21st century and it's for real If you're like me, you spend a lot of time getting to know people's psychology. Crypto seems to be a little bit more of a thing for millennials than it does for Generation X or baby boomers. Whether it be Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and the other coins that come in and out of favor. There's a lot of research now pointing to 1 in 10 Americans invest in cryptocurrencies. But they tend to be younger. The average age is 38 years old. They tend to be more diverse than traditional stock investors. They're not, my job is in the stock market, right? Financial media. Someone could be a waiter and thinks of himself as a crypto investor. 61% started their crypto journey in the last 12 months. There's a lot of, how should we say, expanse to learn and to fill in the blanks. At least if you started investing the last 12 months, you probably saw a movie Wall Street. You probably saw Boiler Room. You learned that your dad was good with money and had a big old 401k. Learned that your dad was awful at money after four divorces. With crypto, most of us, our education has really been fill in the blank. Here's 100 pages of art. Go go, draw whatever you want to draw. and That's what we have to do with crypto. We have to kind of, Learn on the fly. Of those who want to get investing with crypto, 31% say they have no clue where to start. First and foremost, I do not believe that you need cryptocurrencies to become wealthy in life. I do believe that they're going to become more and more interesting. I would like to you know, freeze in time and wait till government regulations tell us what will and won't be taxable treatments. Our government can h- handle anything as long as they get tax money out of it. I know that sounds like a very <clears throat> almost rude thing to say, but I am very cynical. You see the stories, I see the stories about people becoming rich and sometimes going down with the flag of crypto, becoming rich, then becoming poor. You've seen the stories about a young man taking his own life after mismanaging his crypto fortune went to nothing. So there's a lot to learn. Bitcoin is a small piece of the global investing pie in terms of market value compared to heavy hitters like the S&P 500. If you look at how much money is in the S&P 500 versus how much money is in uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is collectively worth about $800 The shares of Apple are $2.5 trillion. Now, Bitcoin has room to grow. Bitcoin is not a fad. There's advocates in U.S. Congress that want to make it legal tender. The one that just blows my mind is El Salvador making it legal tender. So in theory, if you go to a bicycle shop or if you go to a restaurant that takes credit cards, they're going to have to legally take Bitcoin. That's just – it's a funny idea to me. I don't know. Maybe it's not funny to you, but – it's like you see that sign MasterCard Visa Diners Club, and you're like, who used the Diners Club card? Well, crypto is gonna be right next to it. My personal opinion is most of us who want to get into crypto should have an established portfolio of at least a hundred thousand dollars on your way to retiring with a million to four million dollars. And do it the old fashioned way, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, ETFs. I personally would rather you start having an angle on owning a home versus using Bitcoin to get the down payment on a home. But once you're financially secure with maybe a home or a rental place that you're good with, and once you have a hundred thousand dollars, I'm okay if you put one to 5% of your wealth into crypto. I want you to go small, I want you to dollar cost average. I want you to scale in so that if you buy now and it goes up, you're already a winner. And if you buy now and it goes down, you're getting it at a better price. You're going for the long term. You're not going for the short term. There's a Bitcoin trust, which means you can buy, you can take a diversified approach to buy Bitcoin. Ticker symbol is GBTC, GBTC, which is an investment fund that holds Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Think of it like a mutual fund of Bitcoin. Now, it has a 2% expense ratio, but that's a fraction of the commissions you'll pay if you buy Bitcoin on the open market on your own. It's interesting because the way it's set up as a trust, the shares can trade at a premium or a discount to its underlying assets. So if you wait for a scenario where Bitcoin falls, you can actually get it cheaper than the actual cost of Bitcoin. So it's the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. This is what I figured out that works for me, that I can digest it, that I can say, if you hit the accredited investor standards that I have for you, that's at least $100,000 saved in a 401k, a 403b, a 457, some sort of long-term investment vehicle that's not made of alternative investments. Bitcoin is an alternative investment. That's fine. You need some traditional investments. I admire the wife, or not the wife, but the bride who shows up to the wedding with a torn wedding dress and pink hair. I get it. But if everyone did that, I'd be like, eh, that's a little cliche, don't you think? Sometimes it's good to play by the traditions. Just throwing that out there. You can also buy Bitcoin if you want to through a broker like a Robin Hood. Now, keep in mind it's not FDIC-insured or SIPC-insured, and if Robinhood goes out of business, you lose all your Bitcoin. Your funds are gone for good. That's really all I have on the basics of if you're going to do it, this is how I would do it. I hope that helps. Again, I know you're different than me. You should have that approach in your head yourself. I still want you to go for retirement I don't want you to try to get rich quick with Bitcoin or any sort of digital currencies. I get the underlying technology is for real. One in 10 Americans invest in cryptocurrencies right now. And I think most of them are trying to get rich quick. Again, that's antidotal. Um, And I'm not 21st century cutting edge advisor at this point in time. I'm going a little traditional. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. I've got a lot of great downloadables at robblackshow.com.
1: Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com.
0: Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. The bull market is a bull. That's a really funny quote I heard a couple weeks ago. It tries to throw its users off. Maybe it's riders. Are we riding along towards the golden years? If you take a look at the dot-com years in the 1990s, it's easy to look at a chart and say, wow, buy stocks in 1996, sell stocks in 2000. What's so hard about that? It was a glorious run. The NASDAQ 100 went from $500 a share to about $3,800 from 96 to 97, 98, 99, 2000. The last year was the most meteoric going we to make a really tasteless comparison to skyscrapers you could see the big straight line up in the air and like if you ever go to New York City and you look at the skyscrapers you're like whoa you can always tell who a tourist is in New York by the people who are looking up people have lived there for a while just look forward so let's talk about bull markets because we're in one when they go straight up it's a cause of concern. Everyone's a winner. Then comes a situation of panic, and the panics tend to be, I want to say, magnified by the fact that things have gone straight up in a bull market. In our bull market, I think not. it's not going straight up, but it's not ever really correcting more than 5%. That's a concern. You want to shake some of the riders. That's a healthy bull. That bull will get slaughtered if everyone who rides on him has never gets thrown off. If you're in Spain and you're a, at a bullfight and you see it's, wow, that's easy. You could put a six-year-old kid on that and do that. That's where we're at right now in the United States. Anyone can make money in the stock market because it's slowly grinding higher. I don't mind the grinding higher. I just don't I mind that there's no big corrections. So we need something to gets us scared. And sometimes that's inflation, which taps our economic strength as consumers. It could be Russia invades a country. It could be oil goes to 150 or oil goes to zero. You need reasons to get people freaked out on occasion. Sometimes it could be something that you'll never ever see coming like a hedge fund that's got exposure to the ruble and it collapses you're like whoa and when a hedge fund collapses, basically they're forced to liquidate their positions so you get a lot of people selling 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 it's not unhealthy for companies to collapse i think it's actually very healthy you just don't want them all doing it at the same time there's always going to be reasons to panic There was a terrorist attack on 9-11. It had an enormous impact on the markets. For the next five years, any time a firecracker went off anywhere in the world, people were stressed. There was a lot of bomb threats on Wall Street in particular. In Madrid in 2004, bombings, London bombings in 2005. The impact of the financial markets became more and more, "Ah, we've kind of seen this. And the markets don't get that upset. And in fact, they do a furious rally higher. We've come to learn that when there's bombings or terrorism, world governments respond by making money easier to get. And they flood the markets with liquidity to stop their economies from basically locking up. Um, I think that's worthy of note. That. The market is a bull market and we need to throw some people off on occasion. And sometimes, sadly, it's things like terrorism that gets people panicked and ready to sell. I always feel bad when I get an email from someone that starts like, "Um, I'm really scared for the U.S. economy because of Trump. I'm going to sell everything and go to cash. And then four years later, I'm like, I'm really scared for the economy under President Biden. He's spending too much money. I'm going to sell everything and go to cash. You can put in the email whatever you want. I'm really scared that Freddy Krueger is going to come and it's going to be a nightmare on Wall Street. I get people selling me fear and me them wanting me to validate them and go, yeah, you're right. We should all go to cash. I, I don't think so. This market has seen everything. I've said this before. It's seen Nagasaki. It's seen Hiroshima. It's seen president's assassinated. It's seen inflation, deflation. This market has seen World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Korea, Gulf War I, Gulf War II. Do you remember when we invaded Iraq? And uh, all of us, I mean, maybe not all of us, I guess if I'm speaking to people under 35, maybe it wasn't you. We watched CNN. And there was a CNN reporter, I believe, in the Hotel Baghdad, and bombs were going like our our military knew don't bomb back Hotel Baghdad. And you're like, how is this guy? St- he's in a war zone, and bombs are going off left and right of his hotel room. And there was the Scud Stud. Do you remember the Scud Stud with the Scud Mark uh, anti-missiles in Israel? So we we make almost celebrities during this time. But there are really scary times, and I get emails from people who are like, I want out. This is my reason to sell. And I'll tell you what, in the last 100 years, it's never, ever, ever been a right time to panic. I've worked with a guy who, who panics, and it's the most unflattering trait of someone on Wall Street or someone who works in financials. Oh, by the way, the scud stud was um, Arthur Kent. He was the NBC reporter that was the hottest re- correspondent of the Gulf War for something I've never been voted, just for the record. It would be nice if I could win a, a contest or two on Lux, but it's not going to start happening now. But yeah, I'm actually really, really comfortable with markets, <clears throat> a bull market throwing people off. It's really normal and it's really healthy. And when people, I guess, when they come to me and they're panicked, to me, that's a good sign. The opposite is people come to me and they're like, "Ah, I want to buy Bitcoin because it's gone up. Or they say, I want to buy Bitcoin. And you're like, why do you want to buy Bitcoin? Because it's gone up. I want to make money. I want to get rich. Um, I've seen more people lose money chasing other people who got rich than any other, you know, scenario. When uh, in the 90s, it became very popular to watch infomercials that were pushing real estate, and you would often hear things, well, they're not making more of it, and real estate always goes up, and that's just not true. They are making more of it. When military bases get uh, uh, decommissioned, suddenly there's not a lot of new land to build on When we open up preserves, there's more land to build on. If you drive from San Francisco to Sacramento and look left and right, there's a whole lot of room to build on. The question is, how do you make those areas desirable? I agree in desirable areas, there's not a lot of land to build on. But I see people make, how shall we say, compromises, where they think Stockton, California is the same as Vallejo or Cupertino or Lafayette all cities that are not quite prime time but they're much closer to prime time cities five to 25 miles away than something like a Stockton or Tracy um so when people get too excited and they chase I'm gonna buy a house and then I'm gonna flip it oh it's the flippers I guess Um uh, Usually people who ask me, how can they make money fast, they appear the least educated overall by society and the least educated financially. And they've just heard an idea from a friend or a TV show, and they want to copy it and emulate it. Earlier, I talked about Bitcoin, and I'm okay if you're enamored by it. There's been things that I've been enamored by. Fortunately, they've worked out for me, like investing in video game stocks. I found that to be a hoot 25 years ago when I got in the industry, that you could buy a company called NVIDIA. It was publicly traded. They had just come out with a new graphics card that they wanted some promotion on, so they contacted, they sent out PR press releases to all radio shows, talk shows, and I got one. And I got to have on my show Peter Brady, Christopher Knight. He was on the board of directors of NVIDIA. I wonder if he still owns the shares he was given, because that has been one of the most amazing stock runs in the last 25 years. Wouldn't that be funny if Peter Brady, Christopher Knight, was a multi-billionaire (laughs) and just like a powerful man? You're like, you were on an awful TV show in the 1960s. Did you invest that money? And He's like, yeah, I did. My parents lost it all, but I invested in a company called NVIDIA and did well. I get being enamored by stuff and for in some cases it could really work out, but I would be very weirded out thinking that your neighbor did something that now you should do it too more than likely you're going to push your neighbor's value up and you're going to try to find someone to push your value up. So be very cautious. Um, I like bull markets that knock people off. I think it's normal and healthy. I'm on this ride for another 10 years. I will tell you when that changes. I may be on this ride for another 40 years depending on how I shift my wealth from my wealth to my children's wealth. But when I say that, I should also say, as I get older, I'll have more stocks, more bonds, more real estate. I will grow my pie collectively and not in just one hot area. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online, and there's some great resources at Rob Black Show, some free downloadables. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, all social media, Rob Black Show
1: resources to help you manage your money visit robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com
0: if you have been out in public in the last two years you've probably seen people enjoying white claw a delicious beverage that comes in multiple flavors it's low-calorie spiked seltzer it's been on the market since 2016 but I would say two years ago it had its heyday, maybe its apex, maybe its zenith. Um, It's literally gluten-free water that'll mess you up. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the way to look at it. I thought White Claw was one of Harry Potter's houses. White Claw Wednesdays became a thing. People baptized their children in White Claw, which I think is against Catholic law, at least in most Catholic law states. Every guy who drinks White Claw is named Jake. If you saw any pictures of your daughter in a sorority, she... There was probably a corresponding white claw can in the hand of said sorority girl pitch in Pitcher. We would say things that's like the white claw summer. Why do I bring this up? Because the white claw fad is over. The Despite seltzer brought competition, competition brought copycats. Copycats basically changed up the dynamic that this was kind of something unique within reason. You're still talking about hundreds and millions of gallons, but you're also starting to see people going to bars instead of staying at home. The white claws kind of a day drink kind of thing during the pandemic. The restaurants not really kind of a cool thing. I, I don't know. Maybe you want something with an umbrella in it kind of thing, but listen to this one year ago. At the height of the pandemic, Boston Beer was a $1,200, almost $1,300 stock because they had truly one of the competitors, one of the ripoffs of White Claw. Now, one year later, it's down 55% to $517. It was at almost $1,300 a year ago. And in one year, that fad is wiped out 60%. That's amazing. But like I said, let's go back to the white cloth fad and say it was two years ago that it started and not one year ago at its height. If you go back to, let's go June 19, because we're going to do in a, kind of a June 19, June 20th, August 2021, like okay, you, know, you see what I'm doing there? I'll, I'll go August. Oh wait, I can go September. Um, so September 9th, 2019, Boston Beer was a $364 stock. It was just getting ready to introduce White Claw as uh, big competitor. Truly, truly comes out in the stock goes from $364 in 2019 to one year later, $883. And then it just it's it goes crazy into March twenty twenty one. Twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars. And since March of this year until September, thirteen hundred dollars all the way down to five hundred. Now again, in two years, it's gone from three hundred and fifty to five hundred and eighteen. Not a bad return. If you got in at the start of the fad to the end of the fad, and you probably wouldn't have picked it perfectly and hit the top of thirteen hundred. So let's say it dropped 900, and that was your limit. If it drops 20%, I'm out. If it drops 30%, I'm out. Don't wait for it to drop 60%, because anything that can go up 100% can definitely come back 40 to 60%. It even goes up 1,000% can definitely give back a large chunk of it. But in this case, it didn't give up all of it. So if you take a look at Boston Beer and Sam Adams, on a one-year basis, you go, what a disaster. Truly, truly messed up the stock. No truly helped the stock almost double and at one point in time, quadruple. And because of momentum stock, when the momentum stopped, you need to understand it's time to get your butt on a chair. As the cakewalk goes, you're walking around you're hearing the music. There's four chairs with five people. You're walking around. When you hear that music stop, you better be able to look forward and backwards and figure out which chair is the easiest to get to. That's a momentum stock trade. I'm not upset for Sam Adams. I think they did a good job. They rode that wave as far as they could ride it. Now it's on to the next hot thing. And trust me, millennials will come up with something. Um, Water that has, you know, vitamin B in it plus, you know, a truly. Or marijuana. Not only will this get you high and relaxed, but it'll also get you drunk. Isn't that kind of the same thing in theory? Yes, yes, yes. But don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, as I always like to say. Anyhow, um, I think that's a good example of a meme stock. Before GameStop and before AMC movie theaters, I think one of the first meme stocks was White Claw Truly. Now, white claw is public is not publicly traded. It truly was the only thing we could put our hands on. And you can see that it was quite the momentum stock. White claw summer is over, though. Just not selling like it used to. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Um would I would I buy white claw? Would I buy Boston Beer now? I'd have to really look, to be honest with you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
1: An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show.